I, I know many of you, you know, are, are attentive to what's happening in our nation and uh, some of the things that are going on around the world uh, because of the events that have taken place and what makes it so bad is it happened kind of like back to back as well as um, the, the uh, shelter in place because of COVID-19 and how that has wreaked havoc on society. And then we have all of these other things that have been going on. It's not like it's anything new, um, but it is, I'll just say it is what it is. It's what we have to live through. Um, I, this ought to make, it, the stuff that we see going on in society ought to make, truly, if we are born again and we have truly received the Lord Jesus Christ and he is at work in our lives, I mean, we are starting to mirror the word of God. We ought to be so thankful for Jesus that he did come and that he did pay the price for our sin debt and that he gave us eternal life now. And now we can see. We can see because even as I pray, God can solve this in one moment's notice. When one minute, God can solve it. And, and it's not like God has to flex his power in order to do it. It's like he's already done it. We just need to do what he said do. And then chains will break off. Scales will fall off the eyes. All of a sudden, those who have been deafened to the voice of God or the word of God can be able to hear clearly. What's the thing? The one thing that we need to do as a nation, even as the people of God, is repent for the kingdom of God is established. The kingdom of God is at hand. It was the beginning of the gospel with John the Baptist when he came out of the wilderness, preaching from the wilderness, if you will, and saying, you know, I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. John did no miracle. He, he performed no miracle. The only thing John did was prepare the way for Jesus by preaching and baptizing in water. And John understood his assignment, wasn't jealous, wasn't envious, didn't want more than what God allotted or appointed or anointed him to do. He simply carried out his assignment as a forerunner. In other words, I'm going before the Messiah who's about to come and I'm preparing the way of the hearts of the people. And so he fulfilled that, but he did no miracle. He simply preached the word of God. He had no healing ministry, if you will. No ministry of deliverance, if you will. He had no bringing sight to the blind or causing the deaf to hear or, you know, causing the lame to walk, if you will, or raising the dead, casting out devils. He didn't do any of those things. He simply prayed. And his first message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that's what this nation needs to hear. This is what the body of Christ needs to hear. I'm not saying we we're perfect. I'm not saying we've arrived. But when we look at the things that are going on throughout the entire body of Christ, it's like, whose Bible are we reading? Whose word? Whose allegiance do we pay allegiance to? I mean, because you can hear some of the strangest things that Christians, so-called Christians, will say. And it's like, 
You have no fear of Jesus. You have just violated, bypassed him, and allowed your emotions and your rebellious nature to now speak for you. And the same message that John began with is the same message that Jesus began with. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The awesome thing about Jesus is that he came for the lost sheep of Israel, but that wasn't his entire reason for coming. He came to them first because the message was preached to them and was supposed to preach through them to the world. He came to them. The Bible says in John chapter 1, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So the people that he was first to preach his message to rejected the message. And mind you, they were religious. They held fast to the law of Moses. And even though many of them, especially the leadership, held fast to the law of Moses, they did not carry out the law of Moses. In other words, they studied it, they knew it well, they taught it well, but they didn't walk it out well. And Jesus is like, if you really took heed to the teachings of the law, you would recognize who I am. But because they did not take heed to it, they mastered it as far as knowledge, but as far as walking it out, they were missing it. And we have the same things that go on now. We have individuals who still live under the old covenant when we're in the new covenant, if you will. The behavioral patterns have not changed. And that's because you still, you're still dealing with an uncircumcised heart, a rebellious, sinful nature, and people who still live doing what is right in their own eyes and could care less about what God says. We are supposed to, as sons and daughters of God, to be led by the Spirit of God. What does that mean? That means that the Spirit of God is the one who is supposed to be guiding us in the way of truth and in the life that we're supposed to live for God. He's here to quicken us. He's here to teach us. He's here to help us. He's here to guide us. He's here to show us things to come. He's here to bring things to our remembrance. How do you know that? Because that's what the word teaches us about the role and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does not come to bow down. He is not just an emotional thing. Where all of a sudden the person, whoo, and, and oh, they got the Holy Ghost. No, that don't mean they got the Holy Ghost. It could mean that. It could mean that the Spirit of God moved upon an individual so powerfully or in such a way that the expression that they give is a direct result of the touch that he has made on their lives. I won't discount that, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but it's, it's only just emotionalism of people. I know I might get in trouble with some people who might be online watching this, but it's okay because the truth is the truth no matter who you are. 
Your flesh will act up and it will put God in second place. You know how to, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Well, it's as little as it is. What you know, you might as well try and hold on to everything you got. And so we can become so emotional that we just break loose from the guidance of the Spirit of God. Now understand Galatians chapter 5, it is, where Paul talked about, first of all, he talks about the works of the flesh. And he says the works of the flesh, they're just evident. I mean, they're so clear, they're just right there in your face. Nobody needs to tell you that's the flesh. You can just see it. It's just clear. And then he goes down that list, and it's not limited to that list, but he says things like this, or in this category, if you will. And then he talks about the attributes or the fruit of the Spirit, and he begins to list that. And so this is what the Spirit of God brings into our lives. However, there's a battle that goes on, flesh against spirit, spirit against flesh, a war goes on that Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5 that it keeps us or preventing us from doing what we want. And so if we're walking in the spirit, if we're living in the spirit, we're going to be led by the spirit. Walking in, being regulated by or regulating ourselves based on the Holy Ghost, who he is, his character, his nature, understanding what it is that he's working and developing in each and every one of us. The Spirit of God working out love and joy and peace and gentleness and meekness and temperance, if you will. Patience, long-suffering, meekness. The Holy Ghost, that's what he's working in us. At the same time, he comes with power. Power to do the works of God. Power to make us an effective witness. We may come to the Holy Ghost timid and weak and shy and afraid to speak, but he will give us boldness like a lion that will cause us to give the utterance of God, be that mouthpiece and that voice, that vessel for Almighty God, if we will allow him to. That's walking in the Spirit. We understand his attributes. We understand his ways. Jesus didn't have us ignorant in telling us about the Holy Ghost. He says it's necessary. If I don't go, the helper won't come. The Holy Ghost is a helper. This is not even the message, but the Holy Ghost is our helper. I need help. Holy Ghost is here. He's as close as within your body. And yet his presence can cover the entire world. He's known as the spirit of truth. So the spirit of God is not going to have you lie or be deceitful. But he's going to have you always speak the truth in love. It may not be received that way. It may not be perceived that way. It may seem like the person is angry or something like that. We don't make excuses for our behavior when it's outside of the boundaries of the Holy Ghost. Because sometimes just like, I mean, if James and John can get in this trouble, we can also find ourselves in this trouble. When we get so angry, we want to call fire down on the people that Jesus came to preach the message of salvation to. How dare them reject Jesus? Don't they know who he is? 
He heals the sick, raises the dead, casts out devil, walks on water, and they're going to reject him. Lord, you want us to call? We, we got some power right now, Lord. We'll call fire down and just burn them up. We'll just cook them to a crisp, Lord. Just, just say the word. Just say the word. Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're of. They're walking with him. They're seeing. They're experiencing the power of God flow through them because of him, him being Jesus. It wasn't something that they were doing on their own. It was because Jesus had released the authority that he received from the Father, the authority and the power that they could operate in while he was here on this earth. But if you notice, when Jesus got ready to go, he says, you better tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Wait a minute. They healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, cleansed the lepers. Freely they received, freely they gave while Jesus was here. Jesus was saying something different is going to happen now. I have been with you all this time. That's why you've been able to do those things. But I'm going back to the Father, and I'm going to send the helper. And he's going to come, and he's going to be with you, and he's going to be in you. Everybody say, he's in me. And so the thing of it is, is that the Spirit of God, we can grieve him, we can quench him, or we can release him. Yes, stay covered, man. It's our choice. We can shut him down or we can let him loose. Jesus sent the Holy Ghost not to sit back, but to lead. And so they that are led of the Spirit or by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. It's a qualification or something that should automatically follow a believer. What is it? What is it? That they follow the Holy Ghost. And in order to follow him, you got to acknowledge him. You can't just acknowledge him on Sunday. He, he's, he's more active than just Sunday or Wednesday or, you know, he's active every day. And, and see... There, there, you, there should be no place that you would want to go where he's not welcome, first of all. And uh, you don't have to go and announce him to everybody. He can announce himself. But he's with you everywhere that you go. But he's the leader and not the follower. He doesn't come in order for us to dictate to him what to do, where to go, when to speak, dot, dot, dot. He doesn't come for us to tell him things. He comes to lead us into doing things. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power after he has come upon you. These are the words of Jesus telling the disciples and through them speaking to us even today. Because the Holy Ghost has not left the earth. And so just as surely as he is in the earth, he is still on the same assignment for the church of the living God, which is the body of Christ. So that being said, we want to be led by the Spirit. Now, Acts chapter 5, verse 20 we see something here, and as I said, I'll probably be going back and forth between uh, King James and Amplified. But we see here in verse 20, 20, I can speak. When the angel 
that God sent, said to Peter and John them, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Amplified just amplifies it a little bit more. And it reads as follows. Go, take your stand in the temple courts and declare to the people the whole doctrine concerning this life, the eternal life which Christ revealed. And so when we look at it from that perspective, let's, we're not judging not trying to anyways, people for their behavior and their ways. We're not judging um, church people, if you will, or people who are supposed to be the church. In other words, I'm not saying it in a way of condemnation, but simply assess the landscape of the church. Simply assess the landscape of the body of Christ in their response to God, in their worship of God. In their relationship with God. It's, I'm not saying condemn. I'm just saying assess, examine, and examine ourselves. I'll, I'll say it. Examine yourself. I examine myself. Examine to see if we're really in the faith because the word of God will show us. The spirit of God will reveal to us. And he's prompting us to get in line with God. If we are a reflection of him, or if we are actually being led by him, or if we're leading him in the name of Christianity. The Holy Ghost does not come to follow. He comes to lead. And so when we do that, it is not even to make us feel condemned. It's to assess so that we might find ourselves in the right place with God because listen at the urgency of the message which the angels spoke to them. Mind you, they are under persecution. It is not like Jesus has ascended and said, wait in Jerusalem and you shall be endued with power from on high. This is within the first year of the church. Jesus has gone, if you will. However, the, the spirit of the living God, or the angel, I should say, is telling them this. Go, take your stand in the temple courts and declare to the people the whole doctrine concerning this life, the eternal life which Christ revealed. Now, he's telling them, and they're already in trouble for doing what he's telling them to go back and do again. Angels have no choice. They are just on assignment. God tells them what to do. They go straight to it and get it done. They don't back talk. They don't ask questions. They just go. That's their responsibility. And God even gives angels charge concerning our lives and also enable them to minister to us in order to help us to facilitate Preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. So the angel comes and breaks them out of prison. Everybody say prison break. He comes and breaks them out of that holding place and says, now go right back in that temple and preach all the words 
of this life. What life? It is the eternal life, as the Amplified says, the eternal life which Jesus Christ revealed. In other words, not talking about life in general, not talking about what's going on on CNN, NBC, MSNBC, Fox News, and all of the other channels, and I'm not mocking that or anything like that. I'm just saying, if we related to our times, if you will, they had their times, we have our times. And so he's like, no. I'm not sending you out there to talk about baseball, basketball, football. I'm not sending you out there to talk about the Olympics. I'm not sending you out there to talk about the stars in the sky, if you will. I'm sending you. I have released you so that you will go right back in the temple and you will preach. You will speak these things that pertain to eternal life in God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And guess what? They go. They get them some rest, bright and early. They're in the temple preaching this message. The religious leaders come looking for them in the holding place that they have them, and they find them not there. Everything's intact. Don't know how they got loose, but they're not there. Then somebody comes along and says, those men that you're looking for, they're back in the temple, and they're preaching what the Lord said. They went against culture. They went against society's norm. They had an unpopular message, but it was the only message that would lead to eternal life in Christ Jesus. And it did not stop there. It was living the life on a daily basis. We won't get there today, but in your extra time, because I know many of us are so busy, we don't have time for God. In your extra time, read the Beatitudes. Read the Sermon on the Mount, if you will. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Read it. Just take it in. See what Jesus is saying about the life that he is presenting for everyone to live by. Because it's in here where he just kind of lays things out as far as the agenda of the people of God, what they are to live by, walk by, and what they are to teach others as well. I mean, repent and receive Jesus. You shouldn't have to tell the same person that time and time again. You only need to get saved, genuinely saved, once. And you're saved for eternity if you're sincere and you continue to fellowship with the Lord. There would be no reason to break fellowship with God. God never gives us any reason to break fellowship with him. Come hell or high water. God is good. That's all that matters. He's good now. He's good in the future. He was good in the past. He was good enough to send this only begotten son so that I personalize it. I could be saved and have inherit eternal life in him. He came to make my life different from what it was or what it used to be. He didn't come to make me miserable. He didn't come to put me in bondage. He came to loose me and set me free. Why? Because we're all like a wild weed, if you will. And some of us in our weed growth, we just spread all over the place. Some of us may not do too much damage, but nevertheless, we're a weed. And you know what you do with weeds. 
Get them out of that garden before they take over. Mess up everything. But Jesus, in the uncompromised message of the gospel, did not care what the people thought. He only thought about pleasing the Father. Because he knew what the Father's heart was. So he was willing to sacrifice his very life for all humanity. That's the awesomeness of it. I was listening this week, and it's not about the individuals that we're having a conversation, but it's a conversation. And so it comes down to, and I'm not knocking that, but it's something that keeps going around. And it really, it matters to some. But I think those of us who are mature, it doesn't matter what color Jesus was suited up in. Whether he was red, yellow, black, or white, brown, you know, Asian, African, it doesn't matter. Why? Because it was one sinless life who gave his life as a ransom for not one sinless people, but for the entire world that the world through him might be saved. Doesn't matter what the color he came in. What matters is is the mission and the assignment that he was on. When we read in Isaiah, Isaiah said he had no form or comeliness. There was nothing about his visage that we should desire of him. Doesn't matter whether he was six foot one or uh, and 180 pounds or, you know, five foot four and 300 pounds. It doesn't matter. And we struggle with these things, and all they lead to is strife, contention, division, hatred, malice, God, all sorts of wickedness come as a result of that. And I don't say that to knock. Many who believe that he's black because you got white uh, individuals. And when I say that, I hate, uh, no disrespect. You got black, you got white, you got red, and all the other in in between. Uh, You have even, I'll just say it, our white brethren in the body of Christ. And I hate saying that because we're all brothers and sisters. Who had a choice in the color of their skin? Who had the choice of whose parents you were going to select in order to give birth to you? Who had a choice of their birth date? This all evolved. That's where no evolution, but this all evolved from the plan of God when he put one man in the garden and brought to him a woman suitable or meat for him because none of the animals, none of the birds, none of the fishes were comparable to him. So he took out of him a real fashioned woman brought her to him. He made Adam from the dust of the earth, if you will. But what difference does it make? We all came from Adam. But why would we get all messed up about ethnicity? The Bible teaches us that we were all scattered throughout the parts of the world so that, not that We can have a black nation, a white nation, a Russian nation, if you will, a Spanish nation. All the he scattered us so that we would cry out or grope for him. We missed the mark. We missed the point. It's the devil's work to divide us. Jesus told us the principle: every kingdom divided against itself. 
will be brought to desolation. Every house divided, every kingdom divided against itself will, will not stand. Every house divided will be brought to desolation, if you will. He let us know that even if the kingdom of God is divided in the earth, it will topple. I'm just so glad that he is Lord and he oversees everything. And that there is a voice of reason that still speaks in the earth of the mind and heart for God. Because God doesn't want anybody to perish. Everybody say red, yellow, black, and white. God wants nobody to perish. Jesus died for the entire world. That the world through him might be saved. But people have done some bad things. Because of the sinful nature of humanity is why they did it. Because of a devil who you don't see but is very real operating in and through their lives from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. And believe me, the devil is not prejudiced. He cares not what the color of the skin is. He cares not where they came from, whether they came from the poor neighborhoods or whether they came from the wealthiest places, whether they're in the White House or whether they're in City Hall, if you will. He, he don't care. You think the devil cares about what ethnicity he uses? He uses sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We hate and divide because of the sinful nature of man. And see, they don't want to acknowledge this. No, they want to vent their frustrations. They want to vent their anger. They want to vent their emotions. They want to leech, lash out, if you will, and it goes back and forth. They want their guns. I know people don't like to hear you talk about the guns and all, but hey, it's, it's one of our rights to bear arms. Not to just go out and kill somebody, but to protect yourself from somebody coming to take, out, take you out. And the main purpose of it was to protect from a tyrannical government that would try and come and just, you know, do their own thing and take away the freedoms that this nation itself was founded upon. Nobody has to feel bad anymore about what was done in the past. I've got to say that again. Nobody should feel bad about what was done in the past. Nobody in this present state and day should feel bad. The only ones that should feel bad are ones who were perpetrated on any side. Said before, what's his name? The actor, gosh, I can see his face, but can't recall his name. And I shared with you before, he said some, well, thank you, Minister Kino. He thank you. He said, you know, you want to end racism? Stop talking about it. Just stop talking about it. He, it, it wasn't limited to just one. He wasn't just talking to black people. He's talking to everybody. Just stop talking about it. Stop passing it on from one generation to the next. Stop the division. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. We can only become perfect in Christ Jesus, and that's his perfection working out in us. But we're still frail humanity, subject to miss the mark, subject to make a mistake, subject to do wrong. 
That's why we got the helper, the comforter, the intercessor, the advocate, the standby, the counselor, the teacher, the Holy Ghost to dwell within us. And the Holy Ghost is not prejudice. He's not a black man's Holy Ghost. He's not a white man's Holy Ghost. He's not a Mexican man's Holy Ghost. He's not a, 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 a Italian man's Holy Ghost, women, if you will. He, he, he's the spirit of God. Listen, we were all created in the image and likeness of God. And that's what we need to realize. You know, people, if, if, if we will watch people, I could give you an example, but some might get upset, but it's not trying to upset you. Okay, I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm just saying, examine, look. That's one thing I learned early on. Watch people and watch, you know, look how they live and, 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 and watch their ways and learn from their mistakes. And you're going to make your own mistakes, but if you watch others, you'll learn from their mistakes and not make so many mistakes that you're going to make yourself. It'll make the mistakes that you make less, if you will. Well, Donald Trump is a racist. He says things, he tweets things, and, you know, he's just a racist. You ever see how he talks to white people? He talks to Mexican people. He talks to age, about Asian people. Because when he called, they, when he called uh, 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 COVID-19 uh, China virus, oh, he's a racist. Oh, he's a misogynist. Oh, he's all of these things. You ought to look. He, He's just an equal opportunity insulter. He slams everybody. Oh, you're doing that because I'm black. See what he, how he does with some of the whites. I mean, male or female. I mean, Carly Fiorina, she had the audacity to come out and say, I'm going to support Joe Biden. You know, my personal opinion about President Joe Biden, even though he's not president, I should take that back. I'm not prophesying it because I don't believe that he'll win. Um... Do you understand the pressure of being the most powerful man in the world? You don't want a dummy in that place. You don't want a puppet in that place. You want somebody that is strong. One of the main reasons why I voted for Donald Trump was because I saw his opponent, Hillary Clinton. And, and it's like, at this time, we need strong leadership. And this is what the nation is not ready for. They're not ready for strong leadership because they have their own minds and own agendas of what they want to do. And you get somebody that knows authority and knows how to walk in the authority and knows how to get things done rather than, you know, you got to come to me and you got to give me this. And when you give me this, then I'll give you that. He don't want to play those kind of bargain games and stuff. He just wants to get things done for the best interest of the United States of America. His hope is that everybody will prosper under his rule. But as far as how he is with people, he's the same cross board. He's just an insulter. He says stuff that I don't like. Man, he just, it's like he messes, excuse me, he me I'm glad, social distancing, you all are safe. In the name of Jesus. I, he, he just across the board. He, he, Pastor Lucia could tell you, because see, I, I, I try and be transparent. If he says something or does something stupid, he shouldn't have did that. He hurts his own self. He just destroyed his, his gain. He will end up saying something or doing something. I share with Minister Killings as well. He, he just ends up just, just canceling out the good that he's just done. 
I mean, he could win the hearts of the people. It's just like Barack Hussein Obama. He could have won the hearts of the people, but he held fast to a political agenda rather than having the best interest of the United States of America at hand. America didn't want same-sex marriage. It's only a small segment of them that wanted same-sex marriage, and they got themselves in places, if you will. If you notice, they spread all around where they can cover for one another in order to manipulate the system in order to gain and get what they want. George Bush knew that God didn't want it. He knew that the nation didn't want it. California didn't want it. So what do they do? They get some activist judges to overrule the will of the people. Remember Prop 8 and Prop 22? California voiced, the most liberal state in the union, voiced her opinion. And you get activist judges that overrule. Why? Because, you know, when, when, the, when it gets to this place, and then they have the audacity to use slavery and civil rights as a reason and rationale for people's choice of who they're going to sleep with and who they're going to have sex with. We need to repent. George Bush, he was supposed to establish an amendment that marriage will be recognized at the federal level as between one man and one woman. And do you know that California's constitution used to say the very same thing, that marriage is between one man and one woman as God ordained it? But, and then we have to vote on this thing as if we want it. So when the people rolls up and says, no, we don't want that, then activist judges started marrying people. This opened the gate. So now you got a group over here, a small segment before they close the door, small segment over here that's married in the eyesight of a liberal person named uh, Newsom. They're all going to have to answer to God. I'm not judging them. They're going to have to answer to God. God will ultimately judge them, but I, I will expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And then I'm going to stop because this is one of those sermons where I said I'm not going to be very long. So I want to try and at least honor my word. Here we go. So they open the floodgate and a group of them get married. And so now they have a foothold and they have an argument. You cannot discriminate against these others who want to get married because these are now legally married. come back again. I think this is how it went, rolled out. And the United States says no. Jerry Brown's in charge. Jerry Brown. Praise God. He decides he's, I think this might have been a first. He decides he's not going to defend the will of the people. He's not going, that was his position. See, he didn't know how to use his authority. He bowed down to an agenda that is anti-God and it was anti-California. If people really wanted to know what we felt like, we told them at the ballot box. Oh, that's hate. It ain't hate. I don't hate the homosexual. I don't hate the lesbian. I don't hate the transgender. I pray that they get saved. 
Because if they truly get saved, they'll see the error of their way. We all thought that we were doing something right, but we found out that it was wrong when we came to Jesus. And what do we do? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, I have these feelings. I have these desires. Don't give over to them. It's just the spirit of lust. The corruption that is in the world through lust has infected your body, infected your mind, infected your soul. So you think it's okay to do these things. And so now you're going to use something that was really serious about something that we cannot change and we should not even want to change. We cannot change the color of our skin. We don't want to change the color of our skin, if you will. But we went through a time period where we weren't given the rights as citizens. And now those rights are given to us. So some of you who have a problem with celebrating 4th of July, let me free you up. Celebrate 4th of July. Well, it don't apply. Yes, it does. No, it didn't apply. Yes, it does. You're in the United States of America. They're celebrating America's freedom. You want to celebrate Juneteenth? Go ahead and celebrate Juneteenth, June 19th, if you will. Go ahead and celebrate it. If that would make you feel good about yourself as to who you are, go ahead and celebrate it. Celebrate Cinco de Mayo and celebrate all of these other ones as well. We used to do that when we were on in Railroad Avenue. We would celebrate the cultural diversity that we had within the congregation. Everybody bring their own cultural meal, if you will, acknowledging the diversity that God planted on this earth. We're not here by accident. We're all here by God's design. He put us, he assigned us to the body that we live in. And so the gospel will give you the right perspective on life. You will, you will treasure every soul. I was listening to Pastor Rod's, one of his um, CDs yesterday and today, and he was sharing about, because I, I, I knew about the um, abortion rate and all. I knew about the abortion rate. And I wasn't sure that it was the same. Worldwide, I, I thought it was on the decline, but worldwide, it's like 4,265 or something like that. I think it's worldwide. That's like 1.6 million babies that are aborted every year. And you think about all of those lives that are being aborted. You think about the strategy of how they plant abortion clinics in particular neighborhoods. And people go in there on a daily basis and kill a life. And what they do is they give them this flavorful label that people can swallow and not choke on it. Because if you tell them you're killing a baby, it, you know, there's some kind of a conscience there that it's a baby that you're killing. It's not just a blob, if you will. So they give you this sugar-coated label of a woman's right to choose. So if I go up to Sister Diana because she's moving right now and I take a gun and I just shoot her and I say it's a pastor apostle's right to choose because she was moving while I was speaking. I'm only using it as an example. I'm not trying to embarrass you at all. It was just a perfect timing, just an illustration. You know that would be wrong. Amen. I deserve to go to jail. And, and, and so her life, if you will, would speak to the courts and say, I was an innocent person, and he took my life. Therefore, my life should be taken as a result. But then when you have an unborn who really has no voice 
other than just trying to grow in mommy's womb. And mommy makes a decision because of her right to choose to terminate that baby, girl or boy. And so she goes into the clinic that is by design strategically set in that area because they're making money off of this. And you terminate the baby. And nobody can speak on behalf of 1.6 million babies that are killed every year. Here's another one, and I'll close with this. You have, and this is not blasting, um, you have, I'll just say, groups that want to protect and defend themselves. But they say nothing about how many babies are being aborted. And they say nothing about how many are being murdered by their own. And yet, they're trying to say, we matter. Well, if we matter, stop killing one another on the streets. If we matter, stop aborting in the abortuary. It's not political speech. That's just speaking up on behalf of a life that cannot speak or defend itself. You know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and God's mercies are new every morning, and he will forgive us. But if we're going to be so strong in one area and so weak in another area, who are we fooling? We're definitely not fooling God. We're deceiving ourselves. So he said, go and preach this message about life. And as I said, I probably won't get there, but you just read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 during this week, and we'll see what the Lord has to say on Wednesday. If he wants to cover it then or if he wants to cover it next Sunday, that's when we'll begin to just dig into some of that because it's talking about this life that God calls us to live. And it's important because God just doesn't save us and then lets us go on and live our own individual lives and do our own thing. We do what is right and pleasing in our own eyes rather than doing things that please the Lord. And his way is far superior than our ways. Think about this. God could put an end to all of this stuff that goes on outside in a moment's notice, but they don't want God's intervention. They want to keep the chaos going on because it helps them to further an agenda. I just laid out a simple one about same-sex marriage and how they followed that agenda. And they're talking about they've been celebrating this. This is like their 50th year, if you will. They already had rights as an individual. You just want rights now to justify your choice of who you're going to have sex with. It may sound insensitive, but that's not the point. It's not the, the main motivation of saying that. It's like, no. Wrong is wrong, and they manipulate the system in order to accomplish their agendas. If George Bush had kept his word, there would have been a federal amendment that said marriage is only between one man and one woman. But because he didn't, the next president who came in opened the floodgates and then turned the lights on at the White House in the face of God. flaunted it in God's face. 
and had the audacity to try and lecture Christians all throughout his presidency. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for the, the word. Pray that what's been shared is acceptable in your sight, and if not, Father, forgive me, but I just release what I believe you unction me to speak to when it comes to the times and days that we live in and the society that we're growing up in. I pray for each and every one of your sons and daughters that you continue to bless them and continue to pour out your favor upon them, that we continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the truth. May we, Lord God, fulfill the hope of your calling, our true God-given assignment at this time that we won't let you down, we won't fade, we won't wither, but we'll be bold and we'll be strong. We'll go, we'll speak, we will preach and teach all these things you have commanded us in the name of Jesus. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, we who dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler, deliver us, I should say, from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover us with his feathers, and under his wings shall we trust. His truth shall be our shield and buckler. We shall not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the noisome pestilence, the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at our side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it shall not come nigh us. Only with our eyes shall we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because we have made the Lord, which is our refuge, even the most high, our habitation, there shall no evil befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways, they shall bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot against a stone. We shall tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Shall we trample under feet? Because he, we have set our love upon him, he will deliver us. He will set us on high, because we have known his name. We shall call upon him, and he will answer us, and he will be with us in trouble, and will deliver us and honor us. With long life will he satisfy us and show us his salvation in the name of Jesus. The Lord God bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. The name of the Lord be over you and your household that he may bless you, that you may enjoy the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and above all else, you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers, that the gates of hell will never prevail against you. But you will always triumph over the gates of hell because of who you are and whose you are. The Lord bless you. Order your steps, direct your path, guide you with this eye into what is his good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the name that's above every name, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Everybody who agrees, said amen.